0: There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO.
2: Welcome to this, The Nerdist Podcast, number 279. I am nervously excited. My very first comedy special, Mandroid, airs Saturday, November 10th at 11 p.m. 10 Central on Comedy Central. Uh, it's an hour long of stand-up, and uh, I don't think it sucks. I actually think it's pretty good. I, I hope that's not foolish, but but uh, I I hope you like it. So please watch it. Um, it would be uh, it would be huge if you did. And uh, then I'll be performing on the road after that. So go to Nerdist.com slash calendar and check that business out. Or if you're listening to this podcast ages after November 10th, maybe it's available somewhere that you could then go watch it. Uh, I would like to thank, for this week's sponsor of Nerdist podcast, Stamps.com. Uh, no more wasting time with the post office. And well, then you might be like, well, what if I just got myself one of those uh, postage meters? You would be foolhardy, my friend. A word that doesn't get used enough. You have more features than you could possibly ever want at Stamps.com at a fraction of the price of a postal meter. Plus, you get uh, special discounts on mailing and shipping that you can't even get at the post office on things like Priority Mail and Express Mail. Stamps.com is the way to go, especially if you're going to run a small business out of your home. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com right now, use the promo code NERDUS to get a special offer of a no-risk trial, $110 plus uh, of bonus stuff like a digital scale, a free postage. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in NERDUS, you're going to get a $110 bonus offer including a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage That is Stamps.com post haste. Post, hey, that's like a post office. Well, words. Uh, this episode is Kevin Bacon, and he was fucking awesome. We went to uh, when we were in New York for New York Comic Con and our live podcast. Uh, we went to a studio where uh, he's shooting his new show. It's called The Following. Uh, it's a midseason replacement on Fox. What'll so be on early next year? It's a super cool show. It's uh, kind of Silence of the Lambsy. So Joan and I went to the studio where they shoot this and just sat in Kevin's trailer. And- and had a conversation with Kevin Bacon, uh, who was awesome, and unfortunately Matt couldn't be there because he took a red eye the night before, and he got a little sick, and uh, we had to make sure he was in good health for the podcast we were doing that night at the Best Buy Theater, so, uh, sorry, no Matt Myra, but, I trade your Myra for a Kevin Bacon, huh? Huh? There's podcast episode 279, with Kevin Bacon. I think actually listening to this podcast uh, reduces your bacon number. So enjoy that.
1: Now entering nerdist.com.
2: Thank you for having us in your trailer.
3: Yeah,
0: thanks. I'm sorry, it's not a nicer trailer. No, this is a perfect. <laughs> I yeah. love, No, no. Apology accepted. <laughs>
2: no, for, for this is like the size of a New York apartment. So this is actually this actually feels all right to me. This, yeah. Okay. Good. It might actually be it might actually be bigger bigger than a New York apartment.
3: Well, it's bigger than my first apartment for sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: When did you move out to When did you move out to New York? I moved to New York
3: in 1976. From Philadelphia and uh, my first apartment, um, well my first apartment was my sister's couch because <laughs> she had a, a place here on, on 76th and um, West End. And then um, I moved into a place called the Breton Hall which I found, uh, I, I had a hundred and fifty dollars that was my, that's what I decided my budget was for for month, uh, rent. And it was, you know, hard finding a place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With the I mean,
3: yeah. even
2: in '76, you, you, I was thinking like, "Oh, in '76, you could live somewhere for ten dollars." Yeah,
3: you like no, I. But that was, it was, it was still hard. And um, I saw in the back of the Village Voice there was a uh, uh, ad that said, uh, "Actors, dancers, musicians." High rise artist residence. So I went to this place and it was basically a flop house. I mean, it really was. It was kind of a, you know, what we called an SRO, a single room occupancy. And um, they had a rental office. And I said, I have $150 to spend. And the guy said, Well, we do have rooms for $150, but they're called one bedrooms, which is basically (laughs) one room uh and you you used a bathroom down the hall that the, the entire you know floor used yeah and they said but we don't have any available, but we do have quote unquote two bedrooms available, and a two bedroom um, was a kitchen and a bedroom. okay um, actually they did have a bathroom, and they were three and a quarter. So half of that, you know, I was gonna jump past my limit a little bit, but I figured, okay, that'll be okay. But I said to the, guy, I,
1: uh,
3: I don't have a roommate, I don't have anybody to live with, and he said, well, what about this guy? <laughs> 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 and there was this guy sitting next to me in the in the office. We were on this couch. I'll never forget. And he looked at me. And he said, What do you think? And I said, All right. Um, what do you think yeah and we like in that second moved in together we lived together for four years oh wow I do not know anything about this dude I mean (laughs) I do not know his name I do not know and he turned out to be a great guy Um, his name was Mark Mitchell and he he was a a, a, a classical pianist and uh, we looked at the space and I said okay I'll sleep in the kitchen and he took the bedroom um, and he took the uh excuse me sure Ah, beautiful, thanks so much You're
1: welcome
3: and, and he took the um, He took the uh, He, took a, he brought, brought a grand piano into it Oh, Jesus oh. Yeah, and, and it was It basically took up Most of the room um, I'm trying to think if His bed actually kind of sat You know, underneath the, the piano Did you sleep under the piano? <laughs> well, I did sometimes <laughs> We had a bat problem A bat problem? Yeah and um, on the night when the bat came in, I was, you know, I didn't want to sleep in my room because the bat was in my room. Crime, crime is new new enemy.
0: Batman, please, <laughs> <laughs> would it just open up the window and like where did it come squeak, from? It was squeak, a craziest.
3: I mean, it was the craziest thing, man. We we one night, I just woke up. And I turned on the light, and there's a fucking bat flying
1: <laughs> <�ur> around
3: my room. And I went slamming into Mark's room, and I was like, I don't think I said, dude. I don't think we said, dude. I said, fellow, fellow,
1: sir.
0: Ahoy there! Yeah.
3: There's a bat, and. It it, it was such a comedy of
1: errors (laughs) that night
3: trying to, I
1: mean,
3: trying to get this bat out of the room was, I mean, the first thing I did was I called, you know, uh, pest control, like there was like a city number, poison control or something like that, because I was afraid of like what would get hit, you know, happen if you get bit by a bat. And they were like, You have a what, sir? A bat? I don't know. They were like, No, we don't
2: we don't need yeah. a bat.
0: <laughs> we don't but it's a bat. No, that's sir, that's too scary. I'm
2: sorry. I like to think that you're running around trying to catch the bat and then Mark sits down at the piano and starts going
0: That would've been great. That would've been great actually. No, not a rat, a bat. Oh guys, I forgot to tell you you rented out you got a third
2: roommate. It's a bat. And he's gonna sleep with the piano.
3: We actually uh put on, at one point, we're locked, we're, we're in his room, locked in his room, and we're trying to figure out ways to do it, and at one point, he said, I'm going in there, I'm going in with a broom, <laughs> but he didn't want to have any kind, it was the middle of summer, but he didn't want to have any kind of exposed skin, so he put on like a, you know, a uh, what do you call those things, like a, uh, they got a name, that they did. like a jumpsuit? No, where, you, where the eyes are cut out, like a woolen mask. Oh, mask. yeah, yeah yeah. Mask, yeah, yeah. A ski mask, yeah. A ski mask, and a coat, and giant rubber boots, and he had a, he had a, uh, a room, and I opened the door and slammed it behind him. <laughs> And I could hear like ah! And he's like swinging around. Couldn't get couldn't get rid of the bat. <laughs> then we came up with the idea. Somehow I remembered from someplace that they are attracted to shiny objects if it's dark. So the the apartment was like on an, on an air shaft. So you had a you know windows that were sort of um, uh, i guess you know perpendicular to to each other, and one was in my room one was in his room um, so we took a tennis racket and attached a um, coat hanger to it to extend it out and took a ball of um of uh what's funny.
1: Took this is ball. very elaborate. We <laughs> took a ball of uh uh, uh uh
3: tin foil, uh you know, aluminum foil and put it on the end of the coat hanger and we were hanging out over the thing, like dangling this fucking thing out the window like, Hey, come on. Come on You're gonna love this.
1: Oh, and this of course it man. did
3: absolutely it had nothing it was useless. I mean I, you know anyway. <laughs> make a long story short, the we um uh, I just I slept at that, that uh, the reason I thought of it is that I slept under the piano oh, <laughs> it's because of the bat yeah because I didn't want to sleep in bed with Mark and, and I didn't want to sleep in my room because I was afraid of you know afraid, afraid of the bat so yeah, yeah so the uh, I woke up the next day and he was he was gone.
2: Oh, that's such a sad... Story. No note? He just left? He didn't <laughs> even there anymore? Your roommate left, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah it's it's gone. Going, and are of these the bats, bats of yours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, first when you started telling the story about how you met this guy, I thought it was going to be like, and that guy turned out to be Tom Hanks, or whatever. Like, it sounds like <laughs> the two the two young actors. Do you, uh, do you... No, he's a
3: beautiful, beautiful piano player. Do you still uh, know? Uh, I've run into him a couple of times, but I've, we're not really um, in touch too much. Uh, he, he, um ended up working I think he works at Lincoln Center maybe now doing something like that. he's even he's a companyist oh, and, wow. and nice. um, uh, it was kind of magical because you know as, as you know as horrible as the apartment was I not mean, it was really really badly roach infested I mean just a horrible horrible roach problem uh, that I could not seem to get rid of because there was a garbage dump that was kind of adjacent to my wall where I slept, so I always figured that they would, us would go over there for dinner and come over to <laughs> our place for dancing.
0: <laughs> a yeah. really, that's where all the bats are <laughs> going. We're is- probably gonna hit Kevin's again. Just- yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, but he, but his playing was just spectacular, and he would have to practice, and he would practice really hard on really really complicated um, classical pieces. You know, he, he wasn't like a boogie woogie player. You know, he's like a
0: real serious player. And um, yeah. were you playing music at the same time? I was playing a little bit um out about
3: or just, just no no, out. I wasn't playing out at all no yeah. uh, no that didn't happen until quite a bit later mm. um uh, but I you know I, I was you know loved music and I had been writing songs and stuff although we never really you know kind of worked on music together no late night jam
2: sessions nah no. you should just for fun track him down <laughs> And just send him like a rubber bat in a box, <laughs> and then just send it to him and see if it's. Don't put your name on anything, and just see if see if it sparks anything. I'd love to. I'd love to someday download
3: with him about you know uh, just his memories because that's just one story. There was a lot of stuff that that crazy stuff that happened there. Um, he worked at the Cup of Cabana, which was kind of cool, uh, and he wouldn't get home until like four or five o'clock in the morning. He's uh, you know, I was working as a waiter too, and going to acting school, but I, I didn't. I didn't work quite as late as him.
2: What was New York like in the '70s? I mean, I was alive in the '70s, but I just everything to me about New York just feels like Serpico, or so it's just like everything, yeah. just like ah, oh, it's dirty. It's kind of dirty and dingy, and the streets are hard, and you know, yeah. like it's sort of yeah.
3: Yeah, it's great when you look at those movies, those great movies of the seventies, right? That that really kind of captured, you know, New York's Casazza stuff, and then, you know, but it's like everything from that to, to um, you know, the Bronson movies, right? Yeah, you know, that's you know, um, you know that they were really, it was really thought of as a super super dirty, dangerous place to be. Um, did Did you feel scared? Like, was it dangerous? Well, I'll tell you, I grew up in Philly, so honestly, coming to New York, I, I felt. Way safer. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
3: it's just um, I don't know. It was so alive, and everybody was there, and everyone was on the street, and and it just never seemed to close down. Um, and no, I I didn't. I mean, in comparison now, yeah, sure, it certainly was. You know, I mean, I got robbed at gunpoint. You know. Really? Yeah. But but. And, and and then once broken into in an apartment, you know, a guy was you know with a screwdriver and you know stuff like that. So, um... yeah, I mean it definitely. But but at the time, you know, you you're younger, you don't have kids, so you're not really thinking. You your your perception of danger. You are the kid. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like yeah. not. It's it's sort of not not the same. But I loved it. I mean, I loved New York in the seventies. I mean, I loved um, the. Just you know, it was so electric for me, and 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 I, I didn't go to college, so I was seventeen when I got here. So, you know, the it was it was a great. It's it was my where I grew up in a lot of ways. You know? Do you think I
2: mean, young performer needs that kind of experience of like I'm living in a closet with insects and it's and just like I don't know does it does it build character or do you think it's important Do you think it's important in some way or does I think that work? everyone's
3: path is different, you know. um I think everyone's path is different, and 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 uh, I wouldn't have traded it myself, you know. But but do I think you have to have that to be able to be good? No, I mean, um, no, I really don't. I but really it, don't. You can, you can you can you can you know grow up as a masketeer and be good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? But does it give you an appreciation for everything that's happened since? Totally more so than a kid that started up. Like, yeah, I mean, oh
3: boy, I'm, I'm I appreciate everything that's yeah. that's happened since there is no doubt about that man I'm very very grateful very appreciative and also I think that um, I mean I feel like uh, I don't think you know sometimes I think this can sound a little uh, what's the word Um, precious or something like that but but I feel like uh, in the course of your life as an actor you're going to be called upon to play a lot of different kinds of people and the exposure all throughout my childhood and through my years in New York that I've gotten to different kinds of people by just being in the city you know has been really formative in terms of like the the kinds of you know roles that I feel you can I can sort of Embrace, yes. you know. I have a I have a buddy who's um, playing. A, he's he's in in New York, and he's he's playing a New York City cop. and And he said to me the other day, you know, uh, he's living in Queens because um, he's from out of town. And uh, did I say he was from New York? No, Yeah, he's from out of town. He has to play New York City cop. And he went and looked at an apartment in in um, Dumbo, which at this point is a very very kind of high end. Um, and he went, you know, I, I can't be there. I, I I need to be surrounded at this point in my life with this park by by cops environment. You know what I mean? Because that's what I'm being asked asked to do right now. And and I think that uh, for some people, for some actors, that that can be really valuable. And it certainly was for me. Oh, I, I never mean, thought about that. I I really just felt like the city just it continues to feed me, like mm-hmm. all all the time um, in terms of. Uh, who 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 I'm gonna play?
2: There's yeah, I guess there's really no other city in America where you can go and get this kind of a cross section of human yeah. beings uh, of com- in such a concentrated area.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot of comics like you know like uh, that have like come to LA end up wanting to go back to New York because like you know they think of more stuff like well, you know writers up- and stuff like that. I mean I think just like walking around the city, you're just constantly stimulated by it. You know, bevy of things.
2: Well, Los Angeles is a very isolating experience because you're in your car by yourself. Everything is very intentional. You have to mean to go places. You right. rarely stumble across. I mean, like doing comedy in, in New York is a better experience yeah, than right. just having to do it in LA. But uh, I think you have to also, as you get as you as you
3: get successful, um, it becomes very easy to isolate yourself even more, right? Because you know it's kind of can be whether perceived or real it can kind of become sort of a hassle to be around and you know whatever signing pictures and you know taking pictures and signing or whatever shit like that you know so people tend to with success comes a certain level of cloistering in yeah, a way sure, I think sure, and then there also become comes this kind of um, uh, strange um, move move to spend more time With people who are As successful as you Sure You know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> or, or You know what I mean Just kind of like You're that, That's who you're The people that you're with It makes you feel You know what I mean It's like a weird thing I mean I I, I, I say this because um, You know I ha- have In the past Or at times in my life Found myself You know uh, uh, Seduced by that Those Concepts And that sort of Feeling You know what I mean yeah. And I think that That can be mistake because I think that you can really start to lose touch with the people that you are really asked to portray and I am never asked or rarely asked to portray a movie star you know what I mean if I am it's great I love it it's hilarious it's great (laughs) (laughs) times times when I've been able to either play an actor or play myself or something like that I'm like yeah this is fucking great this is a walk in the park But, but but it's rare that that happens
2: can we want you to play a multimillionaire who sits atop <laughs> a throne of society? Oh well, all right. I have this very fancy group of friends. I, uh, I, I interview. I, this is I interview. I used to work at MTV, and I interviewed you in like 1995 at the Video Music Awards. And I'm not going to make you talk about this a lot because I'm sure you, I'm sure you're over it. But um, the the game the the game that bears your name, I mentioned it to you, and you're like, ah, I don't know. And I'm like, oh yeah, but it's awesome. You go, I just feel like people are making fun of me. And I go, No, they're celebrating this mm-hmm. amazing and this was in ninety-five. Yeah. And even at that point, you had an incredible body of work, just from the the apartment with the bat, just mm-hmm. up to nineteen ninety-five. Mm-hmm. And then and then that's been seventeen years, and then there that's just continued to happen since then. So I I'm glad that from what I've read, you have embraced the idea finally, and your charity is named. After yeah,
3: SixDegrees.org. We we launched uh, probably 2002, maybe 2003, something like that. I can't remember exactly. And that's been really that's been good because it's been a way to. Um, well, I mean, it's even without the Six Degrees idea, just something for me to kind of uh, focus. Uh, you know, my. To, to, to focus some of the frustration that I feel with the things that I read in the paper and in the news and stuff like that, you the know, I mean, kind of the overwhelming feeling that, that you get when you when you pick up the paper and there's so much shit that's going wrong and so many things that that um, so many people that need help and so many uh, causes and whatever, just to be able to take that you know idea of six degrees and and. And channel it into something that I can feel positive about you know um, I think that it was such a natural fit too because I, I really you know I'm sure you, I, maybe you maybe haven't heard me say this before but if you take me out of the game which really was the idea of six degrees.org the concept is a beautiful concept that, that we are all connected that the things that you do in your neighborhood down the you know affect people down the street around the world you know what i mean it's like there's this chain there is and we did all cl- crawl out of the same swamp you can't um, y- you know you can't make acid rain in one town and believe that it's just going to go up there and you know just <laughs> just rain down on you right here you know what i mean it's it's going to it's going to make its way across the country I maybe mean, you know you there's there's fallout from you know our well anyway there's a lot of stuff going on that that is that is that shows the interconnectedness of of people and of human beings, and that's kind of the the idea behind Six Degrees, especially if you take me out of it.
2: How did you remain uh, just sort of a a normal guy who was able to like you know stay in a long term relationship and and also not be seduced by all of the fancy stuff and just like what is, is it is it just like because you're still a Philly guy at heart like what 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 is it?
3: Uh. I don't really know. I mean, I think that, um, I I guess, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's a value system that my parents gave me and my brothers and sisters, you know, that, that says that at some point in life you have to find something other than your own success that's more important to you than that you know yeah I mean my father was like a very very um he was very in his world he was a very successful guy he wasn't a rich guy never turned it into anything you know monetary but he was a urban planner and extremely um uh active in Philadelphia and and really really Extremely drawn to the limelight really, really in a deep, deep way wanted the fame and wanted to be known and wanted to be seen and really, really kind of embraced that um, and I think that I got a healthy part of that from him <laughs> you know, <laughs> to say the least because I think that a lot of what kind of drove me in, in, in my like, the fame thing was to be more famous than my father at least the way that I per- perceived my father to be in, in Philadelphia and um, but hand in hand with that i was off, often sort of horrified at how much it meant to him even as a even as a kid you know what i mean yeah. that that i, that, I could that it was it was so paramount to him you know and mm-hmm. what, whatever his perceived idea of success was was like uh, on such a pedestal and I, and I saw that you know in his you know in his last years you know kind of you know trying to hold on to it and it affected me to the point where I went, well, you know, you know it's great and it's it certainly is an acknowledgement of trying to do your best sort of work when when you get famous or you're in a magazine or you get to do a, a you know a, a podcast or
1: <laughs> of
2: course well thank you for, you know, thank you for the last <laughs> one yeah exactly yeah. i mean whatever this you know. must be the crowning jewel <laughs> yes, in yes. your here I am. Made it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Mark, someday I'm gonna be in a podcast. What's that? I don't know, get that fat out of here.
3: <laughs> but you know I also thought to myself I need I, I it's at some point you have to find something that's bigger than you than, than your own budget. And and you know, that's that's all that's that's all I know. And and that becomes you know, family and kids and you know, relationships, friendship.
2: The fame thing is weird because it just, (laughs) the small brush that I've had with it, it just, there's a moment where you're like, hey, this means I did something right, and then it just goes away immediately, and then there's that, how how am I supposed to get more of this? Like, it's like a weird, it's like a weird, you know, I guess humans are sort of addicted to attention. Maybe it's a biological thing. Like, oh, if I'm, in, you know, if I'm ahead of the tribe, then I'll be good for breeding. Or
0: like, there must be some sort of a biological reason that well, we crave it. That comes into a lot of play where it's like you talk to people about what is success, and you know, some people. Well, like, remember when he was successful? It's like, well, the guy still works and still makes a lot of money, but like, he's not famous, and so it's weird where people perceive fame and just being in the eye, especially as now. Success. Yeah, exactly. Especially now when that's the only thing that that a lot of people want. And it's weird because it's like you know you could see like an actor that's just a guy that just works again. Like it's like he's successful; he's a successful actor, but nobody knows who he is, and so well, he's not successful. So success is fame, right? Yeah. You know, that's like that's the weird mind trip that can happen, I think, to a lot of people. Where it's like, you know, like, what are you talking about? You own a house? You've been working as, like, in your own art form? And, like, I I think that's the thing that a lot of people forget is that you need to, like, if you have, if you're just working at what you want to do as an artist, that's success. As opposed to just people knowing who you
3: are. Completely, man. I remember when I I was doing regional theater and uh, I, I, I had had this idea of success, which was, to be on the cover of like Tiger Beat, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: did that ever happen?
3: Never happened. What? I don't,
2: think, well, I don't know. I think it sort of went. I don't know. Tiger Beat, it's time. Yeah. Is there still? A time? Put, Is there could, still? I don't, I don't know. know. I doubt. There's got to be something. Or like, Big Bopper. That's, that's, so put Kevin Bacon on the talk, cover. Talk about dating yourself, but um,
3: <laughs> so all of a sudden, then I started doing theater, and I'd be out in some, you know, regional theater. In Louisville or Massachusetts or wherever I was, and you know, there'd be an actor who was an incredible actor, and who went from job to job to job, and had, you know, had just done checkoff, now was doing this play, and was on his way to do you know Richard the Third, and uh, I was like, okay, so I have to completely redefine my ideas of what what success is, and. The day that you, as you said, don't have to wait tables, you know, yeah. um, and you're actually making a living being, well, if you're an independent contractor, you know, in some, some form, yeah. that's a really successful thing because that's a really hard thing to have to get to. The other thing I believe is that people don't talk about, people really tend to focus on the negative sides of fame. Um, fame. One of the cool things about fame is, like, all day long, people are nice to you <laughs> for like things that you don't even deserve.
1: <laughs> you
3: know, like they say, serve and they give you free shit and they, you know, you know, what I mean. They, 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 and a lot of times they'll like come up and say, "I love you." Like, like people will, will, will wait their whole lives to have somebody come up and tell them that, that they yeah. like them. You know what I mean? So, so it is incredibly addictive. And to be able to walk away from her, to give it up, is a very hard thing to do. And that's why I believe that you'll see people who's, who who will become less famous, and they will some find any way... To get back into the yeah. fame thing, Reality even if it's, yeah, yeah, even if it's like something where you go, really? What I mean, why the fuck are you doing that? Yeah, or or even like you know, to, you know, to end up, uh, I don't know, in rehab or or you know, just do some kind of wacky ass. thing You
2: know, <laughs> yeah. I don't have a drinking problem, but I just wanted to go on celebrity rehab because yeah. I I'm <laughs> to, exactly. to get back on
0: television. Well, it's because they're missing the the endorphins they got from yeah, people seeing them and being happy. Oh, I'm is. curious about this. Um...
2: Was was your when you started to get really successful, which happened seemed like it happened pretty quickly, was your dad cool with it or was he like oh no that's that's great that's great? No, he was cool with it. He was very
3: very supportive, extremely supportive. Both of my parents were. You know, I mean, I, I I'm the youngest of six kids, so you know I often say that they they didn't even notice when I left home, <laughs> uh, but um, they I went to them, you know. When I was in high school and said, uh, I'm I, I'm going to New York, I'll see you later, I'm going to become an actor, and there was no part of them that said, well, you know, what about college, or that they just were like, good, you, you're going to do great, and came to see everything I was in, uh, you know, saw every piece of shit I ever did, and... <laughs> would write you know long letters especially my father would write these long letters about my performances and just awful you know kinds of <laughs> movies and stuff like that. no he was, he was he was extremely I mean I think he was extremely uh, supportive and he and, and he um, yeah yeah I mean he you know th- th- that's a that's a kind of fame in itself, right? If if, yeah. if your offspring is, is is famous, I don't think he was. I don't think he was threatened by. Him.
0: Oh, good. That's yeah. cool. So he didn't have like a. He didn't want to act or be an actor. Oh god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
0: No. Yeah, it's not that hard.
4: What you do yeah. up there? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 No, he was
3: not. Well, I mean, he, he liked public speaking, and he liked to be, you know, in the limelight, and yeah. and, and was. Uh, it, 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 towards the end of his life, was extremely, uh, sort of, you know. Cantankerous and controversial, and would you know even in, into his nineties would find ways into the newspaper and stuff like that. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. He, he um, one of the one of the really great things that he did was, in his nineties, in Philadelphia, uh, there was a, a park called Love Park. Yeah. Which, if you're a skater, is kind of a legendary um, skate park. Yeah. And there's that L O V E. You know, that's that 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 yep. famous mm-hmm. thing. So they have one of those there, and. Uh, it was a just a place where you could where skate, skaters loved to grind because there were these kind of like um, some of the benches were just made out of concrete yeah. and you could jump on them and and there's a, a whole series of steps and stuff like that so it became known as Love Park and, and it was actually uh, you know a, a major like skate destination even for people from across the country who would come to Philly just to just yeah to, just, no,
0: there was like a, most of the videos I watched always had like a, like a, a portion at that park right yeah yeah <laughs> So, they banned the skaters from Love Park, and my
3: father went fucking ballistic. He believed that the use of public space should be used by anybody, especially the skaters, wow. and that and that the what little damage that they were doing to the you know the the to, to, you know the the, the park was a, a small trade-off for having it alive and and you yeah. know being used, and and he. Went and um, tried to get arrested. I don't think they arrested him by skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> Ninety old man. Put, yeah, they put they put a helmet on him and basically lifted him onto the skateboard and dragged him like. You
1: could probably
3: you could probably see a video of it I think and it was it was just great. I mean, you know, and he chained
2: himself to trees that he didn't want taken down. You know, oh, he's, he's, wow, he's, that's he's, really he's, awesome.
3: He was he was he
2: was crazy. So what uh, how did Animal House happen? Was that a
3: did I was in the um, circle in the square, <clears throat> acting school, which uh still there and I was in my first year. It was a 2-year program. And they sent the casting director um over there. Um he, I guess, uncharacteristically. You know, usually you you, you know, actors are submitted by agents and all. And I guess Landis wanted to see if he could find maybe some some ki- you know, kids or some ki- you know, kind of college age kids that that um. You know, didn't have agents, so they weren't like actors. you know? Sure. Anyway, sent you know said do you have any preppy freshmen wet behind the years? Uh, and they sent me over. Uh, and I walked in, and and John Landis was there, and he said, uh, there was very little for me to read. I mean, there was a couple of lines, you know, but I read it. One of the funny things was that he said, can you do that? Make a smarmy face. Smarmy, <laughs> make a smarmy face. <laughs> and, uh... I was like, I, I I had no idea what smarmy meant, but it's kind of like a onomatopoeia Sure, you know right. what I mean. So I so I, so I just kind of did, you know, I don't know, I made some face, right?
1: he's like Ah, that's Brad. That's Brad. That's Brad.
2: And then knowing Max, that's even see what Yeah, knows.
3: yeah. And then he, uh, who's Max? His son. Oh, his son. Uh, Who
2: very much talks that way, like hey, like yeah, he yeah. very much it Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah.
3: And then, um then they. Then I went back, I guess, um, and did it again. Smarty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, then the guy called me in, in my, um, apartment, uh, you know, where the bat was, and <laughs> he said, you got the part, uh, in Animal House. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah, um... It's going to be seven weeks or something like that. You're going to get scale. I said, oh, my God. I didn't know what scale was. It's not that I didn't know how much it was. I didn't know what the word meant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, great, I'll get a scale. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, and uh, he said, well you know, we need you out here, like, by Monday or something like that. Uh, I was like, yeah, but I just drop my laundry at the Fuff and Fold and uh, you know I got a date and he's like no you don't understand it's not like that you gotta get on a plane yeah, so so that's how it happened
1: uh, so I
2: never got my laundry back and so never there. spoke to that girl again and never spoke to that girl <laughs> how was it how, wh- how was this what was it like to work on the set like how was how was John to work with
3: well uh, you know yeah. I mean the first experience was that I'd never flown first class before so I was completely amazed that the alcohol was free <laughs> and that it was unlimited amounts of alcohol. So I got completely trashed on the way out there <laughs> and tried to talk the flight attendant into I had to stop in San Francisco for the night, tried to talk her into, you know, um, staying with me. and part of my technique was by... Flashing my script around,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was like a, a it was a major moment. Don't you situation.
2: know this is Animal House? This is going to change the way teen comedies are done. And,
3: and I remember that, you know, she was very sweet. It was like, you know, you're dreaming. And uh, but she did give me, uh, as I was leaving the plane, the remainder of a bottle of amaretto. I had ordered amaretto because I felt that amaretto was a classy yeah, yeah, sort of after sound. dinner <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: after dinner drink you know and to this day I mean I can't even look <laughs> how <laughs> but, sick did you get <laughs> let alone smell rather so the next day I I woke up <laughs> and flew from San Francisco up to Oregon uh, and went, rushed they rushed me onto the set into hair and makeup and to cut my hair all off I had long hair at the time and um, the costume I remember was furious at me because they had had called to ask for my sizes and I had got them all wrong and so none of the clothes that they had for me fit and as it turned out I didn't work that day and then I didn't work for a week um, because I don't know just the schedule and you know whatever Um, so that was a big sort of learning experience because I was really like amped up and you know here I go you know what I mean and then I ended up not working sat in my hotel room. Um it was a hotel kind of like by the side of the freeway. And, uh, you know, waited. And eventually I started to meet some of the other cast. But uh, what was kind of weird about the Animal House experience, um, as great as it was to, you know, do a movie at all and be in my first movie, was that, um, I guess, John probably purposely, although I don't know if I've ever really sp- spoken to him about this, kind of wanted to create a separation between the Deltas and the Omegas. And he had brought all the Animal House guys out early, and they'd all had this kind of like super bonding kind of experiences where they'd gone out to in the bars, and they'd gotten into fights, and they'd, they'd, you know, been all... They were like friends, like, immediately, because that's what he, he really wanted. And, and the rest of us were... Completely uh, pushed aside. Oh wow! So that would be, you know, uh, Niedermeyer yeah. and and um, uh, and I don't know whoever else. You know, me and whoever else was was part of the you know the losing yeah. kind of side of things. <laughs> so those guys would have these amazing like parties in the hotel and stuff, <laughs> and we were not invited and as a as a young guy I was like I, I want to be part of the crowd you know I want to be I want to feel this kind of sense of camaraderie it's actually it was a kind of com- kind, kind of camaraderie that I felt um you know kind of in the theater that I had done up until that point and and that I felt with my colleagues at, in acting school and I think that uh acting to me in a lot of ways I sort of looked at as a you know kind of like a brotherhood you know what I mean that that, you know that that has since in a lot of ways just gone completely out the window I think Um, especially in movies you know I mean it's very hierarchical and you know anyway that's a whole other uh, topic but so you know while it was it was fun and I made it I made it fun there were times when you know, I felt kind of—I don't know—just kind of pushed pushed out. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, once you got the college experience from doing that. Movie, <laughs> of you wanted to be part of the cool kids, and well, they was
3: yeah. Well, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. And in fact, I tried to kind of get the college experience while I was there because I would meet people on on the set. You know, guys would be like extras and stuff like that. Then I had two friends. Mm-hmm. One one that um, was from a. Basically, an animal house. I went to a party, uh, and it was as wild as the fucking movie. I mean, it was like completely insane and just rampant, you know, drug use and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about a, a, a real fr- frat. Yeah. 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 And then I went to another one where I had some holes in my jeans, and they were like, ah, "You really shouldn't." <laughs> so, so I really got the I, I got the both of those experiences. Yeah. Um, did, you work,
2: did you? Did you? So you didn't really get to hang out with Belushi that much.
3: Well, you know, Belushi and i only the only real scene i guess maybe that we sort of have is when he spit the mashed potatoes on right him. but um i really i really really like john he he wasn't really part of that he was he was on a whole other trip part partly because i don't know if you know this but he was doing the show doing s n l at the same time that he was doing animal house so he was flying back and forth from Oregon he would shoot like two or three days in Oregon and then go back and, and do SNL and then jump back on a plane and do the same thing he did that Jesus. week after week after week so that was you know really hard but he was an incredibly and I after the movie throughout those you know those next years after the movie I would run into him sometimes in New York um, you know either at you know nightclubs or or even at, there was like a little deli down in the village sometimes we would you know see each other he was a unbelievably sweet guy and gentle and funny and nice and and you know I'm sure he had that kind of crazy side to him but he also had another really just a very nice generous kind of side. I remember he had a um he had a I guess he had a house or an apartment or something like that and he had one day a brunch for everybody. That one I was invited to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he had brought out um, smoked salmon from you know some deli in New York and bagels and, and you know cream cheese and lox and stuff like that. And I knew how much um, you know lox cost. to like in my world that would be like a like a to get lox on the bag would be like a giant <laughs> you know windfall. You'd have to have a windfall. And and here was like piles of it. And I thought, wow. That's a, that is one rich dude. <laughs> <laughs> he
2: was able to roll. He's that rich.
3: Much. Yeah, locks rich. Yeah, locks
2: <laughs> rich. He was cool. So you must have felt, so then coming off Animal House and then a couple years later, Diner must have been the camaraderie experience totally. that, you, that you wanted oh, yeah. to have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you think that's part of why that movie was such a defining film of its era? Because it really just felt like these are best friends and this is their. That's us,
4: that's me. Oh, he's that guy, I'm that guy.
2: Yeah, I do. I think it, I think I think that was a. I mean, probably both
3: movies, you know, were an example of of that idea really working. You know, I mean, I, I this idea that <clears throat> of forcing chemistry into something is is in some ways I find it a little insulting to the actor because it sort of um, assumes that I can't I can't act well enough to act that somebody is my best friend or that I want to sleep with them or that they're my father or whatever. Yeah. You know, we we need to be have this idea of chemistry I don't really believe in that word I think it's I think it's like a chemistry is just two actors that are acting well you know what I mean and pretending you know to do whatever it is that being said on Diner very similar kind of thing where Barry brought us down and we really did hang out and most of us were you know we were kind of at the same point in our lives in that we were Unfettered to a certain extent, and um, not—we'd all had, or some of us had, little tastes of fame. You know, maybe, um, you know, Mickey had done some stuff, and you know, I'd been on soap and done Animal House, but but nobody was like a real star. It wasn't like we couldn't just go out someplace and be anonymous, mm-hmm. you know, and and so the time that we hung out together, I think really did have a very positive sort of impact on, on the movie. If nothing else, I mean there was a lot
2: of improvising that the rest of the guys did that, you
3: know, ended up in the film.
2: Oh wow <coughs> Was that the movie that changed everything or was it no. was it Footloose? You know I really think of it all as baby steps, even
3: Footloose. I mean Footloose certainly was a big, you know, kind of explosion, but but I don't really ever attribute it just to one thing. It always seems like, you know, you, you you go, you say to yourself, if I could only get, you know, an agent, you know, and then you get an agent, you're like, ah, oh, that's it. You know, <laughs> I could only, you know, so so Animal House was the first movie. Great. I got into a movie. I came back and I, 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 I ended up waiting tables for another like three years after that. You know what I mean? So I was like, I'm in a movie. I had to ask for the night off to go to the premiere. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, I kept chipping away, and then then you kind of go, well, if I could just, you know, get to the point where I'm where I'm not don't have to pick up shifts shifts in the restaurant, or if I could just get to the point where, uh, you know, diner was a great thing, but it wasn't a commercial success. You know, it was uh, sort of, you know, critically adored and and subsequently cultish, you know, but definitely not like a big movie, like you know. Yeah, I mean, Footloose Footloose was great, and then, you know, then you're like, how the fuck do I hold on to this? And you know, I didn't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you still feel that now? Do you still feel that, oh, if I could only dot, 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 or now are you just, do you feel comfortable with who you are? Uh... Are you ever? Has anyone? Are you ever? I don't know if anyone's ever
3: really comfortable with. It. Well, here's the thing: is I look, I look to the future, and there's still things that I'd like to get done. Do I feel grateful and um, you know proud of a lot of the places where I've gone? Absolutely, but but I really don't. It's only in this kind of an instance that I do any kind of looking back you know what I mean I'm not a I don't clip anything I don't keep anything I don't archive I just I I don't I just keep going you know what I mean I just keep going so you know in this case now um you know I'm looking down the road to the show and hoping that the show is you know people like it and then you know, I got a couple movies in the can. I'm looking for the next one. You know, I uh,
2: I when I was one of my favorite movies of all time was The Big Picture, which I, to me just so accurate. I mean, I mean, obviously it's satirical, but just the the meat of it is so genuine for just how everything seems to work and how shitty <laughs> for, for like for dumb reasons did you work at, first of all how was Christopher Guest to work with and beyond that do you feel that that movie kind of represents do you agree oh yeah yeah I mean look that first
3: off okay I'll, we'll start with Christopher Guest Christopher Guest The Spinal Tap is my, is my favorite movie uh, and was at the time so when when they sent me that movie, Chris's idea was not to cast a known actor, and certainly not as well known as I was. He didn't want to make it with a with a with a you know a famous actor. He didn't want the budget to be there. You know he he I think when you look down the line at his films, uh, as amazing as that company is that he uses. You know what I mean? And as, as well known as, as they all are, kind of individually, and you really recognize them, not, he doesn't build movies around stars, you know? And so when when I read that script, I was like, I gotta be in this fucking movie. I love this movie. Um, he was resistant, you know? I, I really had to talk him into, in, into you know, letting me come on board. Um, I felt like it was so true and so funny and I'm constantly still to this day and I haven't seen it since I made it remembering things that come up all the time you know what I mean i when Marty goes I don't know you I don't know your work but I think you're very talented you know what I mean it's like I just can't. that that happens all the time you know what I mean my other my other great line is uh uh Oh, you're a director, Jimmy. Our bus busboy's a director.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: I mean, if you go to, uh, you know, I just say Hollywood. That
1: is
2: just you're gonna get that day in a day, out, day yeah. in a day. Out. And I I to because uh, it's just such a it's such a beautiful joke that you don't see coming when you're meeting with the apartment manager and he goes he's talking about a movie about an actor and he goes that was Red Reardon's first picture I made that guy a star a big star and then he turned around and crapped in my face (laughs) literally (laughs) just adding literally to the end it's such a gorgeous joke
3: I know for those of you who haven't seen it my god that is it and and I'm I'm the straight man so I'm not I'm not I'm not patting myself on the back when I say it's a funny movie because that is a funny funny movie and so true I mean so frighteningly true. And interesting, I'll, t- I'll tell you something interesting that happened with that movie was that the, the studio, which was, I believe, Columbia Pictures at the time, it was real art imitating life. Because. Life imitating art? What life imitating it? art. Life imitating art. Because what happened was the head of the studio that green lit the movie was a guy named, I think his name was David Putnam. Maybe who was David? He was a um, a British guy who had gotten this. He had produced um, sort of you know kind of more artsy sort of British movies, and then then got this job running this giant studio. In the course of us shooting it, he lost the gig. Emerson was replaced by Dawn Steele, which is exactly what happens in the big picture. (laughs) (laughs) And she hated the movie. She literally said to me, "I don't know why you did this movie.
1: Uh,
2: um,
3: it's it, what is what what is what, what's good about this? Why why did you do this?" Well, first of all, I'm a
2: human being,
1: and <laughs>
3: that's rude. <laughs> and so, uh, she dumped it. You know, they barely, barely released it. Um, didn't buy any ads in certain places. Just put it on a screen, and, and um, you know, didn't didn't find a way to you know, whatever you do with a movie like that, you know, market it, you know. Um, so it was a real, you know, a real case of uh, reflection.
2: <laughs> so Now it's just all these lines are coming with Dan, it's Dan <laughs> Schneider's uh, special <laughs> condolences go out to Jimmy DelVecchio, special effects of that extraordinaire, regrettably killed on the set of Cross <laughs> Sabers of Truth. <laughs> like, the student film, like the pretentious student film awards. It's like, it's like every one of those guys... Like oh I know that guy. Oh, I know that guy too. It just it's such a gorgeous movie.
3: Yeah, it's it's a goodie. I I really uh I'd like to go back and and, and watch it one of these days. Do you ever watch can you watch your stuff or do you not? I don't really watch watch my stuff. Um I'm not quite sure why. Well, you've I,
2: missed some I, really great I, movies.
3: I, no, no. <laughs> I watch them. I watch them when they I, I watch them when they first come out. Okay, sure gotcha. I, yeah. Um I like to usually do I usually like to watch them twice. The first time I watch something I need to be um, well. Obviously, I couldn't do this when I was, you know, starting out. But now I need to be sort of like safe and alone, and maybe mm-hmm. just with Kira, and just, you know, just you know, just watch it. And then I like to see it with a with a with an audience, just to kind of, you know, see what that experience is like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I haven't, I haven't, but I don't. Aside from that, I don't really go back. Um, the, once in a while, you get a. Um, one of those things where they put together like a clip reel or something you know and you get to see certain scenes and stuff like that and that's always kind of fun because then you have to sit through the whole thing
2: what's uh what can you even name like a favorite movie that you've that you've worked on uh
3: I don't have really favorite movies but I would say that um in terms of performances that I seem to remember liking Murder in the First was one mm-hmm. um even though I wasn't really in it that much JFK The Woodsman The Woodsman's great um Thanks yeah. Taking Chance you know was, a, was the HBO thing I did recently um you know I, I one of my favorite things that I ever did was a um probably the thing that is the least seen um which was there's a great playwright named um uh Lambert Wilson who um, died recently and he wrote um, a play called uh, Lemon sky and it was being done off- Broadway uh, with um, uh, Jeff Daniels and one one of the parts was played by Cynthia Nixon and they decided to do a PBS uh, American playhouse it was like a I don't know if American Place is still on, but they would sometimes film theater, you know. And Jeff didn't want to do it, and Cynthia Nixon didn't want to do it. So I took the part that Jeff had, had done, and Kira took the part that Cynthia was doing. Oh, that's awesome. So, so we sort of, like, have them to thank for, you know, being married. And we didn't really play opposite each other. I think we were, like, stepsisters.
2: Oh, that's where you guys met?
3: Yeah, that's where we met, yeah. Oh, wow. And, um, but that's a uh, another story. But, but just in terms of, like, um, a difficult and complex kind of... Uh, Performance. I, I think that was a that was a good one.
2: How have you managed? Because looking around your trailer, there's just pictures of your family and pictures of your wife and pictures of your dog. I'm like it's and a a really, lot of Dogs. It's yeah. a nice. It's just <clears> like <throat> a nice, warm. I don't know. It's. I mean, like literally, collages everywhere. How, how do you? I think a lot of people would love to know how do you keep a relationship fresh? How do you uh, you know like? I don't know. Especially doing what you guys do, like <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's really. I I wish I knew the
3: answer to that question. It just I works. Mean, yeah it just works I mean I think yeah, you know if you're lucky you find somebody that you're you know that you have a good time with you know and uh, and then you know then you just have to also try to you know try to prioritize as we were talking about before you know to try to try to try to make something more important than your own legend you know and uh like that.
2: That's kind of a, that's an interestingly selfless point of view for an, for a performer where I feel like most of the time, you know, performers, oh, yes! Yeah! Hey,
3: buddy. What?
2: Uh, I'm doing an interview. Fuck, fuck the interview. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Marco This is our, uh, Hey, how's uh, it going? Amazing. Chris. Hi, hey, Chris. Nice, nice me, to
3: meet you. Director. Nice to meet you. Hi, um, hi producer of the following
2: Ah, this is
4: this this, uh, awesome podcast dude I know it what? come on stop (laughs) it are you kidding? stop it can he join in? yeah sit down I was a PA at MTV. When Are you serious? We were doing Singled Out.
2: So. Holy shit. Yeah. You were at MTV? You worked at MTV?
4: I did. I worked on... Uh, I was a PA on, like, remote control. Oh, my well, gosh. I, when my, I had a cubicle at 1515 where TRL ended up being. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Co-directed the
2: pilot, which was great. It, it's Thank such you. an amazing concept for... Uh, I, don't, I mean, I want to talk about it, but I don't want to spoil too much, but just the sort of... The puppeteering that happens is... I, I didn't... You totally don't see that coming. You're watching. You go, oh, I think I get what this is. And then it takes a turn. You're like, what? Fuck. Like, and it happens in the, like, the last five
4: minutes. Yeah, well, wait. I just came... I just literally landed from LA. I was editing. And um, so I like, did a marathon. Because I, I, was, cause I made, made some changes in the pilot to bring it down to time. And then I watched two and three and four. And I found myself... Like holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> he
3: he directed two, and um, is you know kind of oversees everything, and is going to do at least another couple more this season. I'm oh, that's awesome! Right now, that we're yeah, that we're
2: he's directing one right now. Well, congratulations for uh, for digging yourself out of the MTV yeah. trenches.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone gets out. Well, yeah, it was good. I fucking loved it. I mm-hmm. I loved being over
2: there. That's good. Well, you guys, but the the PAs at MTV, I felt like had the worst deal because. MTV. There was, you know, there were a bunch of people in charge, and then everyone else had to do everything. Yeah, and it was like if you were mildly good at your job, that was a bad thing to show them because then they would just. It was like they were like a lamprey. They would just attach.
4: I got really lucky. I I, I PA. I was a PA there, but I ended up. I met I met this girl there who was also a PA, and uh, she's like, I quit. I'm going to go be a nanny, and she went to become Nora Ephron's nanny. Oh wow! Cool. And I through dating her would go over to Nora's house and then I became I just we became friends and she became my mentor so then you could break up with the girl and just move then on to then we broke we ended up breaking up and I ended up basically living with Nora Ephron and Nick Pelleggi and that was my film school whoa that's, so, that's so, serious? That is- yeah it was fucking great Wow! Yeah, no complaints. That
2: was like a like a sexually transmitted mentorship. (laughs) (laughs) Which I recommend if anyone uh, can make that happen.
0: Out of all the STDs,
2: (laughs) (laughs) you sort of fucked your way to the top, which is a very hard thing for a guy to do.
4: Yeah, that's true, but I did it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Fucking Kevin Bacon. Yeah. (laughs) What?
2: (laughs) What a huge reveal for this
4: daily. (laughs) <laughs> well, I didn't mean in the No, no, no! That's mean, awesome. I, it's good. To, it's good to see. You. I was like, "Where is he?" He's like, he, "I think he's done." I was like, "All
2: right, I'll check." Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up in a sec. We're. Just, I was just about to. I'm glad it's good you came in because I actually want to talk about the show a little bit. The, the point when you came in, I was talking about how, you know, I was talking to Kevin about you know just his relationship and you know like just building something that's bigger than yourself. And I was saying, well, that's a, that's an amazingly selfless point of view for an actor because a performer is. I feel like there's a degree of like we have to be really selfish because we always have to be focused on our own thing and trying to you know get ahead. So, I think finding that balance is is not something most people can do. You know, my my dad always was like, yeah, relationship. It's always it's hard to have a relationship and a career. You kind of get one or the other. Yeah. You know, but I but I always hoped that that wasn't true. Well,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, it works for some people and some people don't. I don't really have the I don't have the answers. You know, I mean to that. I think that, you know, w- one of the things that, which we sort of touched on before, that, you know, it's hard as a, a film or television actor to, um, to not get completely self-involved, you know. I mean, you're self-involved anyway if you become an actor. Yeah. You're the person that walks into the room and, you know, wants everybody to look at you. You know what I mean? I felt like that from the time I was, you know... Two, three. I remember going. I hope everyone's going to look at it. You know? <laughs> that, that's that's just the way. That's like the, that's part of the personality. But I think that when you do a scene, um, you you try to make a connection with another actor. And a lot of times, in the course of doing the scene, as you get more and more coverage, just from a physical standpoint, there's more and more garbage in between you and the and the and the, and the actor that you're trying to connect to. Sure. And eventually, people will say. Uh, don't even look at him. Look at this little mark here on the on the <laughs> side of the mat box, and you you start to, or the cemetery you getting know, it. Really looks a little better when you just tilt your head just like that, and you start to get very very hyper hyper self involved. And the thing you always have to remember, I find, um, which kind of goes back to theater, is that you have to play the play. You know what I mean? You have to you have to deliver your piece of what the overall story is going to be and not get too wrapped up with just looking at looking after number one, which means that you have to engage the other people who are in the scene with you and the other cast members and, and make sure that all and you've seen from the pilot that, you know, that's that's the meat of of the show is all these other crazy kind of stories that are going on surrounding yeah. th- this guy. And, and that's a tough thing to try to, uh, to accomplish and to remember, especially since television and film, you know, we talked about that brotherhood thing that I was, you know, sort of pining for. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, it's incredibly hierarchical, you know what I mean? It's like they refer to you as number one. or a number two or number twenty-five or whatever. Whatever lists up the call sheet. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen people out with fucking tape measures, you know, measuring each other's trailers. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that, that it's, so, so to to actually get back to the idea that we have, uh, you know, an overall uh, piece of work that we have to, you know, deliver is, is, is a tough thing to try to remember and I think it includes everything from the bigger picture to just really really connecting with the actors and listening to the
4: people that you're acting with particularly in this show where I you know the actors have to be we're a television show everyone wants everyone to look pretty and look good and I'm constantly pushing for everyone to look be Ryan Hardy's been awake for you know five days in a row so we don't clean them up so much so you have to be a little um you have to be willing to go there as an actor sure and even the last thing we did on friday where you know i have to i'm I'm asking you to go to a car and break down emotionally and there's nobody there to do it with except you know my crew the car and the car and the crew's tired and everyone's like you know let's just get this night over with and and i need kevin to go and break down and have an emotional moment and there's a million people staring at you from this far away mm. and the fact that he can pull that off and stay focused is, is amazing and we, you know, every day <laughs> this
2: is good like teamsters standing there chewing gum like hey, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not it. kidding like, come
4: on, yes. on. We cry, cry, cry <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. more people just literally like doing this you know, on their blackberries <laughs> yeah. or yeah. phone, yeah. iPhones, like texting and you know, I'm constantly going, just guys he's trying to work
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> back off, you know yeah but yeah, it's hard, man. I, don't, I, I have a tremendous respect for what these guys do every day, and it's why you call them number one, number two. Because there's a lot riding on those moments. Yeah. You know, and
2: if those moments don't work, the show doesn't work. Well, I hope people watch the show. I know it's mid season, um, which is which is good because I, I think networks tend to give mid season shows a little bit more of a chance uh, than what happens now, which is like in the fall, two episodes gone. You know, like they don't give it a fucking. They don't give anything a chance. Um, so if people get to watch the show, I just want them, I want to make sure that they watch all the way through. Because it starts out and I think you go, oh, this is sort of a, like an SVU kind of a, and it's not at all. So I just, I want, I really want people to, to give to give the show a shot. Yeah,
4: I don't know if you've touched on it, but we at Luxury also, we're not being preempted. Yeah. Uh, any show that premiered on Fox in the fall, starting this week, they're shutting down for four weeks because of uh, baseball. Oh, right. So, you're not going to get a chance to see the consecutive episodes. We're going to run 15 episodes every Monday night. You know, it's appointment television. So, it's like a cable show. This
2: is a weird time where you're to have any kind of television show. You can say you've got baseball, you got the the election. The election like, everything. Yeah, there's yeah, really yeah. nothing. They might as well have not had a fall season it, it this was year. Big, yeah. It was a bucket of okay, we'll for us
4: when they, when they were like, we'll put you on in January. We're like, thank God. Yeah. You know, because everything will be done with. We'll get the benefit of advertising on baseball and football and. Then when we hit, we hit, and then you're just gonna watch every Monday. That's great. Cool. It goes crazy places, man. Wait
2: till you hold on to your hat. I mean (laughs) I'm gonna go out and and get a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Can I borrow your hat, Mandy? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I like your hat. It's very uh it's very Annie Hall. It is very Annie Hall. It's nice. Um, I, I assume you need to steal Kevin back because... Sorry, I do. No, no, please. You, you gave us an hour and um, it was really cool, man. Thanks for having us in your trailer. It was yeah, good talking to you. Fun talking to you. And, too. Uh, and, and good luck with the following. And uh, it was so nice to meet yeah, Chris, you, too. That's such a... Oh, I just feel like we're... You talk about the brotherhood of like, God, oh, we, we fucking made it through MTV. It just feels like feels like we served together or something like oh <laughs> we
4: fucking got out of it yeah
2: we didn't get ground into nubs
4: no i um, think it was, a, it was a great learning ground yeah it's a good place to start
2: cool well good to see you guys and uh enjoy your burrito everyone
1: now leaving nerdist.com enjoy your burrito